When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Tom Bernard Show with Doug Sprinthal, L.A. Nick, Andy Brant Bernard, Cassie Schrader. We'll be right back. Kick off Hour 3, Tom Bernard Show. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. It's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? uh, Either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. The last begathon spot. Here it is, the last one. You know, I'm getting good at this. I should work for public radio. Give us some money. (laughs) Welfare radio. That's right. We need some money. People get so offended by that. It's a joke, you big baby. I thought it was funny. They got offended by it. I know they did. It's like, good, yeah, it's such a baby. They kicked me out because of it. Welfare radio. They did. They kicked me out because of it. So here's why I need money. Or I need time or money. Both. Time and money. Tour to cure. you're You're getting a new airplane. No, that's later. <laughs> that's later. Tour de yeah. Cure. This money all goes to the American Diabetes Association. It's a great cause. Tom and I are co-captaining Team KQ Walzer. The ride is this Saturday morning. Starts in Boom Island. Uh, goes uh, Midtown Greenway out around the lakes and swings by the castle of a very well-known big shot radio personality before it makes its triumphant return down Plymouth Avenue. Charlie Avenida. Boone? Yes, Charlie Boone. That's right. I knew it. So if you want to join us, please do it. It was so much fun last year. That's why we're doing it uh, again. Go to the Tour de Cure website. Look for Team KQ Walzer. If you'd rather just donate a few dollars, that would be awesome, too. You can make a donation directly to the team right on that page. We don't even get to touch the money, so go straight to the ADA. 
I like it, ladies and gentlemen. Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. We are back, ladies and gentlemen, Tom Bernard Show. A man who is his own lawyer and is a fool for a client. That's in the old saying. Although comedians sometimes don't mind playing the fool, Christian Charles is seeing the wisdom of retaining counsel in a lawsuit against Jerry Seinfeld, Sony, and Netflix over the hit show, Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. Charles alleges that the idea for the show was his. The plaintiff contends he has a long history of working with Seinfeld and that he registered copyrights on a treatment and script for a pilot episode. Charles further says he conducted meetings and had email conversations with Seinfeld's reps, and that after working on the pilot and demanding back-end compensation, Seinfeld began to use his creativity without his involvement. He stole a show from him. Well, if this guy's selling I would, I would, I would not doubt it. I wouldn't either. I wouldn't doubt it at all. I can tell you a story that I had somebody steal a show from me. It happens all the time, and you don't have really any recourse to get get it get it back and that's just terrible even if you wrote a treatment you can submit a treatment to the writers guild have it all on paper and you still get nothing because they have the money they have the lawyers with deep pockets and they can just keep taking yeah. you know fight you all day well seinfeld's basically a billionaire oh he'll, he'll you'll never win you, no. you, you might as well not even try it's true the plaintiff originally sued in february and at the time many news outlets wrote about it but not the hollywood reporter uh, although uh, we were aware of the case before anyone had published one word on the litigation, it is uh, this publication's policy not to write about pro se complaints, meaning ones filed without legal representation. There are a lot of reasons for why we won't. Among them are that lawyers are under specific obligations to verify statements and pleadings. So what did he sue them to? Is that why they're saying this? Yeah. So basically they're, oh, no, we're innocent. Good God. Uh Conspiracies scribbled onto cocktail napkins hardly ever amount to real trouble. That's and yeah, until, until the show is made and actually makes money, there's nothing to sue for. Yeah, but that's true. That show is actually making money now. It is, yes. Yes. I uh, I find that show to be dreadful. Oh, it's horrible. It's terrible. But it is making money. It's a it trending is, yeah, show on hit. Netflix. It is a hit, but it's not yeah. it's not good at all. There was a there were a couple of you know, a couple of scenes with Don Rickles that were pretty good, but even that episode wasn't very good. And then the Gary Shandling episode was, was the best one of them all. Yeah, yeah it was good. I so, like the cars. That's the only reason I watched yeah, it. Yeah, I'll watch it about three <laughs> minutes ago. Oh, wow. Cool. 61 T-Bird. And Wanda Sykes, see you later. Yeah. Yeah. But here's what I don't understand. Comedians in cars getting coffee. Barack Obama is a comedian? Yeah. He's the... I like the, the former president quite a bit, but he well, was not a great have, joke teller. Yeah, no. And he tried. And it's like, you dude, you have no who, timing at all. You have to remember the people who are doing this show. Yeah. Well, there's no question about where that. Where they I live. Guess. Although I, I, did, I did give him props for going on Between the Ferns. That was pretty funny. Did you ever see that episode? I did. I did. It was What's good. Between the Ferns. You never it's, watched uh, that with, what's his name? from uh, Zach Galford. Zach Galford. He used to do Oh, it was terrible. I hated that show, too. <laughs> well, I thought it was pretty good. When he interviews Obama, it's, it's pretty funny. I thought so, it was pretty funny. Former uh, neighborhood organizer. <laughs> well, that's what he was. Well, he took a lot of shots. That's at what he was. Great. I mean, he was a... He was a that's a, right. Acorn. Organizer. He worked for Acorn, didn't he? He did, yeah. 
Acorn I mean, was the biggest fraud organization ever. His whole life has been dedicated to divide and conquer. That's what Barack Obama's always but done. But Acorn oh, was God. just fraudulent. Which, I'm not making it up. It's what Here's he the did. question, though. When yeah. was this golden age when we didn't have a big racial divide in this country? I don't remember being a lot around then. Do you think he made it worse or better? I think it depends on who you are. I think that... This really sounds terrible, and I don't know how to say it without sounding mm-hmm. offensive, but I think for the, the the black community, and there I am labeling them as though they're all big one monolithic right, thing, and that's not right. fair. Like white men, you mean? Yeah. Like white men, yeah. But I, I think that it really gave a lot of hope to people that finally uh, this country had uh, elected a black president. Oh, I think I that think was, was a, a really but, big but, deal. But it and was I, false yeah. hope. Because nothing changed for them. Well... Maybe, maybe it did. I don't know. You'd have to. I guess we'd have to go just start talking to black people and ask them. I just don't think it was a good idea for the president of the United States to come forward and say Trayvon Martin could have been my son. Yeah, no, I get it. He'll no, never, he he'll never live that quote down. <clears throat> that was really, really stupid. Yeah. I mean, you, Donald Trump's. I was actually are shocked stupid. when he said. Well, Donald Trump already says it's stupid, but I was shocked exactly. when Obama said that. I was no, too. Don't shocked. say that. It's, it's, it's that's the last thing you want to say. It's a bad idea. Yeah, that divided a lot of people. But Trump, I think, he says so much stuff that no one can <laughs> focus does. on one thing he says, which is true. actually kind of smart. Because it's like, you know, if he just keeps on saying something new every you day, know what? He's how not they... far. He's not far from, I don't know if you guys followed Jesse Ventura when he was running for government. Oh, God. So it, it, oh, but, God. But, but, but it's not far it, from the right. same technique. You're Trump right. and, and, and Jesse Ventura are doing the same technique. They, they really are. They're, they have the same technique of, of rallying people up. No, I, I I think you're absolutely right. That's that, that's what Jesse's very good at. He's he, their egos are. are but about I think the same Trump level. stole it from you. I think maybe th- th- it's it's really yeah, on point. Is the same recipe. You may be right that Trump stole the whole idea from Jesse Ventura, who stole it from uh, what was his name, uh, Mean Gene Okerlund. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse was a very very good wrestling commentator. He was. He was very good at that. And nothing else. He was I, not a good never, wrestler. I don't know the guys. But he, was I, a, he was good. At, he was a good commentator. Human being. Me, 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 me. More me. Let's oh, talk about course. me, me, me. That's most politicians. Yeah. Well, that's and professional athletes and yeah, absolutely. people like that. I mean, it's just the way they are. Yeah. It, it is what it is. But Jesse was—I uh, don't know. I haven't seen Jesse in years now, but he was a pain in the ass. Last time I saw him was four years ago at the Caboose of all places. Really? Really? They, really? they, they don't. <laughs> They don't do it there anymore. Now they do it at Bunkers. But a bunch of friends of mine to get together and have a big uh, Jimi Hendrix celebration every oh, year on his birthday. It. I love it. And they that. have the same drummer and the same bass player, and then they'll rotate guitar players through. It's a great – it's really fun. Is the birthday um, in September? No. no I he think died in September. I think it's in February. They do, they, do Bowie, it? they do Bowie in Minneapolis, too, every year. Oh, they do. First so does, I'm yeah. standing there with a buddy. Actually, is Alan. We're st- standing there having cocktails, and all of a sudden, this great big dude stands next to me, and he's got a like a beige-fringed vest oh, on oh, yeah. and oh, a yeah. headband. And all, the, all of a sudden, every knucklehead in the place, hello, Mr. Governor. It's oh, so nice God. to see you. I'm like, oh, oh God. God. Please don't do that. You'll make them worse. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, did Alan tell you I ran into him about three weeks ago? No. Yeah, I was out walking around Lake Harriet, and he was walking in the opposite direction with his wife. Huh. 
It was really nice to see him. I I've always liked I've him. I've got to talk to him because I think he might be moving. He, t- he took a different job, and he, they might move to Montana, which is one of, where one of their children lived. I'm moving to Montana. It's great till winter hits. Well, he's from <laughs> Western South Montana. Dakota. He's yeah, used he's to fine. Yeah, but South Dakota gets that little banana belt going. It's not as bad. Yeah, he is a, he's a really, really good guy. He stood up. I tell you, when Cumulus bought the radio station, we all met over at uh, what's the, the Chop House. And, uh, the Chop House. Yep. Yeah, there, that's exactly where it was. And Alan started to lighten up the vice president of the company. It was phenomenal. If you mess with Tom, you're going to have big trouble. I just want you to know. He went right after him. It was fan. It was well, fantastic. that's how we wound up doing live Walzer spots. What's, it what's, was, yeah. What states are Cumulus in right at this moment? Everywhere. No, they, what, what state are they in? Like, not states. Like, oh, what kind of shape are they in? Yeah. Oh, they just got through <laughs> bankruptcy, so they're in really good shape. Oh, they, they did bankruptcy get through ends, it. Bankruptcy ends, as a matter of fact, tomorrow. I so think. they did get through it. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't mean that people don't steal still, but, you know, yeah. that's no. just how that goes. People always steal. It is unbelievable, isn't it? People just love to steal. People always steal. Yeah, they never do. since the beginning of time. You're absolutely right. I just don't understand why they now enjoy they just it do so it right much. in front of your face. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true too. Well, it's a good thing I didn't buy cumulus stock. No, because it is now down to three cents a share. Three cents a penny share. Penny stock. No, we're talking. It is literal penny it's stock. It's a penny yes. stock. Yeah, well, they all are. Yeah. And that's down from $63 three years ago, four yeah, years ago. Four wow. years ago. So that yeah. might get kicked out, kicked off. It'll it's be, well, it's be, it's yeah. not even on um, no, it's the two major markets. On it's on OTC market. I don't know what that is, but over the counter. over the counter. Oh yeah. yeah, so you have to go to them to buy it. Yeah, so yep. it'll be kicked off. For well, the next I'm good. Three cents. I'd like a million shares. Do you have three thousand dollars? <laughs> I know. Yeah, sometimes I wonder if it'd be worth just buying like a hundred shares. I can tell you, uh, no, no. no. <laughs> I did that with Enron. Oh, yeah. that's right, the, right, right. When it crashed, I'm like, it's oh, like good. 22 cents. So I bought a whole bunch of it. And there's a saying in Wall Street: even a dead cattle bounce if you throw it off a high enough roof. Mm-hmm. Well, and Ron did what was basically the dead cat, cat bounce. It went up to like a buck and a quarter. I'm like, oh, I'm yeah. going to be a billionaire. Mm-hmm. And three days later, it was back down to two cents. Whoops. <laughs> so Andy, where's iHeart right now? Because they're they, they're in bankruptcy now too, but they're twenty two billion dollars in debt. Well, they built all these. They built a lot of stuff. They did. They yeah. wasted a lot of money. They, they thought they were going to be money. the biggest thing in the world. Did they you, did not crash nearly as bad. They're going to though. And they're, uh, well, they're worldwide, I mean, aren't they? No, they're, they're still. Worldwide. I think they're U.S. only. Thirty five cents. So not it's great. Where? Thirty five cents. Yeah, it's going to be down to three cents before you know it. Down from a maximum of nine thirty. I don't know why I thought they were in Europe. Well, maybe they are in Europe, not that I know of. But they won't be in the three-comma club for long. <laughs> no, they will not be in the three-comma club. Which, what is that, sperm? No, those are commas. <laughs> just that was awesome. phenomenal. That was just that, what a great show it is. Um, Let's but see. Did you, did so you... at three cents a share, down from 63.84. Oops, here we go. Do you know where radio is big at right now? Where? It actually makes money. It's in China. Oh, it does. Yeah, it does make money. In China. Radio makes money in China. It does. Their well, stock. They get like ten billion, too. ten million listeners to a station, one yeah, station. They do. they do. Their stock went down by ninety nine point nine six percent in the past four that's years. A, that's that, a hell of a hit right there. Um, did you hear what the uh, what the head of iHeart did after they filed bankruptcy? He got a big bonus, didn't he? Seventeen oh, yeah. million Sorry, dollars. Yeah. Mm. Seventeen million dollar bonus, and you drove the company right into the ground. 
Why do you get a bonus? How is that legal? I don't how know. come I can't figure out how to do that? I know. Because how you're come, not a criminal. That's yeah. what's, well, how can, they, how can they do this stuff? I don't know. I heard that story. It's After bankruptcy, he got this huge bonus. $17 million bonus. That's just stealing from everybody. It is. All the investors. Stealing from the creditors. Yeah. I just. I don't I know how it's possibly legal. I don't know how it's possibly legal either. I'll never understand it. But I, I just, look... Being around radio is a whole different world. It's not like any other kind of people on earth. 99% of people in radio are mentally ill. I'm just telling you that <laughs> flat out. They well, I think, I think I think 99% are very insecure. Oh, they're really they're insecure. They're very insecure. Yes, And that's are. why they're on radio, because they're super insecure. Yeah, I think that's true. So they can't be on film or television, so they do radio. I just want to do radio so I could pontificate. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and I think that's grown, yeah. it's grown in the last 20 years. It has. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's, they're so not So they hate normal. you if you're doing well. Oh, God, do they ever. <laughs> oh, my God. And if you didn't follow their plan, yeah. like you didn't go to this high school and graduate yeah. that college, and then yeah. you went through a, a, a you know, uh, what do you call those internships over at the welfare radio, and if you didn't do all, they really do hate you. Yeah. And you got to no, you be a tech. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good, absolutely. <laughs> but I, yeah, I have to go over there next week because uh, I have a meeting on Tuesday, and then I, I got another meeting. The chairwoman is in town next Wednesday, so I go schmooze with her. That sounds fun. That does not sound fun. She's all, she's fine. Yeah, she, she, the first time I ever met her, I basically told her to take the pipe, so she kind of understands <laughs> what I'm all about. I mean, she, I'm sure they they warned her. They did. They it's definitely did. a special did. Tommy B file they always give to corporate people from what Cumulus that are traveling you know, to Minneapolis. You know, Steve from Sabre Plumbing and Heating. Great guy. Yeah. He's a, yeah, he's yeah, a really yeah. good guy. Steve calls me about a week ago, and he goes, Tom, I'm going to tell you something, but you have to make me a promise. You can't blow a gasket. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to promise him that I wouldn't go off on anybody. It's... Uh, but it is. I mean, you you guys know this. You've been around them enough. It's just a bizarre gaggle of people. Oh, it's a bizarre world. And television <laughs> is probably worse. It is. No, television is worse. Because they have to be cute, too. Television yeah, is that, worse. That would, that would really... there's, there's way more levels of television. And yeah, there are. And, yeah. The, and the tech crew is huge. It's all just bigger. I didn't know. Channel that. 11 seems to be running a competition with their anchors and support people. The same oh, yeah. Oh, dress yeah. the worst. There's I mean, no they're doubt. just like goofy. <clears throat> That's pretty much true. Well, I think all those stations in this city are goofy. Do you? Yes. I like Frank and Amelia. They're nice. No, yeah. no, not, not the people. Oh, the, just the stations? The stations. They're just goofy. They do goofy be. stuff. I suppose it could be. No doubt about it. I don't know. It, it's We have some great people working in this city, but the Whoever's managing these stations, they just do goofy stuff. Notice I didn't when I said Frank and Amelia, I didn't mention Passol. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Passois. But no, it, it's, yeah, it's a whole different world. That It's just out there. Is it, is it like that in the car business, though, too? It's a certain type of person that works in the car Well, in there, they're not that different than radio people. So when no. you think about salespeople and radio personalities, the things that they share in common are real high verbal skills. I mean, you don't yeah. have shy, yeah. introverted people as successful salespeople or radio personalities. No, that's true. And that comes with a fair amount of self-reflection, introspection. That, yeah. You know, is, that's the breeding ground for insecurity, right? 
Right. So no, that's, it's true. It's very that's, true. So I don't think they're that different world. I think you're probably right. We have one minute left, Andy. We have zero minutes left. That's what I thought. I wanted to make sure. We'll be right back. Tom Bernard Show. I'm Brad Huckle, president of North American Banking Company. Ask one of our bankers what they love about business banking. They always say the relationship with a client. Case in point, True North Oral Surgery and Implants is a longtime customer with a growing practice. Their banker, Julie Marshall, knows the ins and outs of what they do. So when they need working capital, an equipment loan, or funds for expansion, they call Julie. Are you looking for a banker you can count on? Give us a call. This is Tom. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. This is Tom, and I want to tell you a story about camping. A guy named Tim, his back pain, and his angry wife. You see, Tim went camping with his family, but he aggravated his recurring back problem a couple of days before when he was golfing with his buddies. His wife had to set up the campsite and do all the heavy lifting, and Tim couldn't do a whole lot with the two kids. Tim was not a happy camper. And neither was his wife. The following Monday, Tim's wife got him an appointment at Hopkins Health and Wellness Center, a DMR method clinic. Their team of physical therapists and chiropractors figured out what was really wrong with his back, quickly got him out of pain, and taught him how to keep it from coming back. And what did Tim say was the biggest benefit of finally handling his back problem? Happy wife, happy life. DMR clinics are a group of physical therapists, chiropractors, and allied medical spine specialists that can help you feel better fast. They have a 96% success rate. It's covered by insurance, and you don't need a referral. They have convenient locations in Hopkins, Woodbury, Rogers, and Blaine. For a free consultation, go to dmrmethod.com. That's dmrmethod.com. Ooh, money. I love that that sound. I, every time I my phone, I sell something on eBay that has that sound. I think they stole it from. I think they took the actual thing from Pink Floyd because it's hey, the man. same exact sound, same really? tone. Like I thought that was actually my phone sold on eBay. <laughs> I love when I wake up in the morning. I turn my phone on, and you hear like five of those. You're like, you yeah, sold something. I made money while I was sleeping. There you go. Not bad. Uh, I was at this list of uh, of we we're talking about the Michael Jordan home. There are all these homes in America. I knew nothing about any of these homes. The Dr. John R. Drish House in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. This elaborate plantation house is a distinctive melding of the Greek revival and Italianate styles. was built in 1837. Slave artisans executed the house's ornate woodwork and plasterwork, yet its infamy extends beyond the slave labor used to build it. The house is believed to be haunted. Ah! That's what you get for having slaves. <laughs> well... Is it true? Am I making? Oh, it I up? think everybody had slaves in the South at that time. Actually, they were pretty rare. Were they? Yeah, I want to say. Well, let's see. I think you're right because you had to, to be talk. pretty wealthy to own slaves. Yeah, that's and, yeah. That's so, how many thing. slaves were actually in this country? Um, I think what half a million. One, the peak of slavery, one point four percent of Americans owned slaves. One point four percent. Uh, something like that. So it was the one percenters. The one percenters. Well, yeah. yeah. It was the very rich had slaves. Everyone else did not have slaves. So it's the same as today. So I have a question for you. Uh, 28% of free blacks owned slaves? Yes, that's right. Well, because they were rich, they could buy their way out of slavery. And then, yeah, so yeah, basically it was anyone who had lots of money. So when when we freed all the slaves, Mm -hmm. did we just say... Go ahead, you're free, and they had to like make a life for themselves somewhere. Mm, I guess, kind of, yeah. yeah. I, I Just like that's there, right. you go, like go. 
Uh-huh. I guess. Yeah, I don't you, know. You're you, like, free now. Give them money or something? But here's what I well, understand. we did offer to send them to Liberia where they could make their own country. Yes. And some of them did. Some but of them went. That the vast majority stayed here. Here's my question. Why is it okay for all people around the world, particularly around America, to condemn all white men when only the one percenters own slaves? Because people I, aren't taught that. They're but, taught that everyone had slaves. But they did not. It wasn't even close. It was the, it was the richest of the rich that owned slaves. Mm-hmm. And basically nothing's changed because the richest of the still rich have slaves. still have slaves. No, they actually do. I mean, they do. Yes, yeah, I they know. do. There was a woman in New York, I know, that just got busted that she had a woman come to clean her house from India or something? China, I think it was, wasn't it? Was it China? It kept her as a slave. Yeah, yeah, that was China. She was from China. She locked her in a closet. Yeah, she slaved her. Yeah. Uh, she, what the she, hell? She, she beat her and stuff, too. Yeah, she and, did. And, and starved her. But see, here's you like can't condemn all woman. white men because of slavery because well, 99% said, of them blacks, had nothing to do with but it. But free blacks owned slaves, yeah. too. And three Everyone had slaves a slave too. if they could afford it. So because this lie that's being told to Americans, it, it really pisses me off. So what I'm curious, if they just let, there was, what, what one point something million slaves? No, there uh, weren't no, that no, 400,000, I think. Oh. The, oh, yeah, how many total slaves went to America? Yeah. And how, how many were, I was curious, how many slaves were let set free when they abolished slavery? That uh, I do not see. know that number. 12.5 million Africans were shipped to the New World, but, half, but only 7% of them got here. Uh, only 388,000. Yeah, it was about 400,000. Okay, right. so let's just say yeah. 300,000. 300,000 slaves 400. were set free. Yes. And just to go on their own. I don't know if that was the case or not. I, I It's probably true, though. Like, go and figure it out yourself. See, that's the other thing. Well, I mean, the, we had just gone through the Civil War, so it's not like we really had any money yeah. to give them. But people think, honestly, God, that all the slaves that were sent from Africa were sent to America. Yeah. Most of them went to South America. Most of them The did, vast yeah. majority. And the Caribbean. A lot of them were mm-hmm. sent to the Caribbean as well. So I, I, I just, look, slavery is horrible. But to blame it on white men is ridiculous. Well, I think a lot of that had to do with Britain at the time, too. Because Britain was enslaving people in right. other countries, not bringing them anywhere, but using them in their own yeah, country. That's true. And Britain still does today. Yeah, Britain do, still yeah. uses other countries. I mean, they still yeah, occupy no. many of countries in Africa. I know what you're saying. That none of it makes any sense to me. But this whole idea that we should condemn and damn entire groups of people for something that a handful of people did is insane. Well, you know, we can't forget that the Union Army was 95% white people who were fighting the South to end slavery. Mm-hmm. Exactly. In fact, Apparently, I posted something on Memorial Day. I'd found this picture. He was my great, 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 great grandfather. Fought in the Civil War. He was wounded at Antietam, which is a really terrible battle. Yeah. Was captured, escaped, made his way back to Gettysburg, fought in Gettysburg, and was on guard duty when Lincoln gave his speech, and he met him after this. Wow, that's pretty cool. Mm. That is amazing. That is quite the life. That's pretty cool. He's related to you? Yep. What happened? <laughs> Degeneration. I, I've actually got a lot he of right soldiers in my family. <laughs> Going back to the revolution, actually. We do not. My family yeah, didn't get no. here until 1885. Yeah. I think the, what we did to the Native Americans is more of atrocity than There's anything no that our, about, our country's yeah. ever but done. We didn't gave them do the it. flu. <laughs> I mean, that's the other thing. We, that's what killed most of them. Yeah. Well, I know just even. Even Fort Snelling here, yeah, we, yes, we absolutely. did a lot of bad things There's there. no doubt about it. There's we did no a lot of bad things it. there. Apparently, when these slaves were freed, a lot of uh, 
the former slave owners were like, well, you get paid now. So yeah. they kept, they still did the same jobs. They just got paid for it. Yeah. So, so I have a question. That works. I have a question. So who freed the slaves? A lot of different people over mm-hmm. the course of white many years. Men. Yeah, white right. men. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so, there were some, there were some black soldiers yeah. in the Union Army. Well, no, no, but many, I mean but... The, who actually wrote the law to free yeah. slaves. Well, it would be uh, Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. White people. Probably a couple different guys. So Probably look, the whitest guy of all. Condemning people for slavery, I understand, absolutely. But you can't condemn an entire gender and race of people for something that happened that had nothing to do with their ancestors. Yeah. Believe me, I came from very, very poor stock, as it said. You know, we were dirt poor when I was a kid. Nobody in my family ever had anything to do with slavery. Well, this guy I was just telling you about came from Scotland. Oh, yeah. um, he was born 18 hours after his mom landed in Nova Scotia. Oh, my God. Fun. Wait, was landed? it chilly? Well, they t- she came over on oh, a boat. boat. From- I was thinking an airplane. No, I was no, like, no. wow, that's yeah. impressive. Well, the Scots were a little ahead of their time back in 1810 <laughs> yeah, exactly. or whenever it would have been. I just, it's like, it's the same thing to me. All these different categorizing people. People that, okay, let's say there, there's a white guy out there living somewhere in the hinterlands that hates all black people. Why would you hate all people of a certain gender or race? It makes no sense. Oh, there's seven billion people. You'll find someone who... I think there's just a lot of people are taught it. Everybody was right. taught and it. Some yeah. of it, a lot of people some are taught. Some of it's fear because they don't understand. Yeah, they're fear. Yeah, I agree. Same with homophobic or... or people are, people think that every Muslim's an ISIS. Yeah. But you have people, on the other hand, that think all white people are evil. Yeah, that's right. Why? They're not. I'm here to tell you. Most of them. I was surprised. I have a, a good friend. Her name is Pamela Williams. She's a very dark-skinned black woman. Mm-hmm. And uh, she told me, she told me something one day, and it stuck in my head. She goes, the most racism I've ever experienced in my life is from my own people. Because hmm. she's that's very, she's very dark-skinned. And oh, she said yeah, she gets yeah. a lot of racism from lighter-skinned black people. She said, I've experienced more racism from my own people than toward, anyone else in my her. life. And she's 60 some years old. She said, uh, yeah, aim towards her. She yeah. said, uh, just, and she worked in a, in a, in a profession mm. that was, you know, she was in the makeup industry. Right. And she said that's who, you know, most prejudiced towards her. You know, the, the dirty secret that you do get uh, the, the, the peak at as a white male in this country is other white people that are racist and they think that because you're white you can just oh, yeah. start oh yeah but i will tell you in minnesota it's not the black people that people like that talk about it's jews i mean the anti-semitic stuff that i've heard come well, out of white i'm like and they and they're saying it right in front of me it's like what is wrong with you after berlin fell minneapolis was the most anti-semitic city in the world yeah i never had that happen once that's a fact i've yeah, never had I, a stranger say something like that in front of me yeah, see, it's or usually like a, a casual group, you know, friend. you're hanging out with a group of people in a bar, and there's... Uh, well, I've never know, done that, so... Well, yeah, no, Andy's, never, Andy's never done usually that. usually don't hear this sort of stuff at church. Like uh, I was actually surprised. I posted a, pro, a pro-Israel a pro thing on social media once, and I was surprised at how many people put negative stuff. Well, about a year and, ago... Like, you can see who they are. It's not anonymous. It's yeah, Facebook. Right. About a year ago, everyone hated Israel. The left hated Israel because they were doing something to the Middle East. Yeah. And the right liked well, them. Well, Netanyahu liked Trump. Yeah. And that yeah, that doesn't help. But now, both the right and the left like Israel for some reason. Well, I posted something about I Jerusalem know. should be the capital of Israel and just got 
bombarded by a bunch oh, of people God, that yeah, hate yeah. it. That is not just a popular like, opinion. Screw the Jews and just screw uh, the Jews. Oh, yeah, tons of them. Okay, and uh, and you can see who the people were. I was yeah. shocked. Yeah. I'm like, I know this is your own Facebook. You're not. It's not an anonymous blog. I, I know. Like, see who yeah. you are. Yeah. And they didn't care. They still wrote it. Like I said, Michael Jackson got away with saying the Jews do it on purpose, steal yeah. my money. Well, and he never had to pay for that. Well, I have to say one thing. Well, technically he did. About the entertainment business. Yeah. It is owned by mostly Jewish people. Yeah. And they do kind of rob you. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, well, the entertainment a, industry. Yeah, the this was a nice Nick, show. Nick just made my entire point. But, but no, but, yeah. no, but I'm saying, but no, no, just in the entertainment. Welcome industry. to the Roseanne Bar in, in show. We'll be canceled in the next two hours. In the TV world. Oh yeah, that's you every get, TV you producer. Get robbed, in the world. Man. Come on, Cassie, you'll give robbed, you a ride. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Cassie, we're gonna have to sell your. Car I'm not now. saying all of them, but I'm saying you know it's mostly ran by Jewish people. Most networks are ran by a Jewish person. Yeah. Right? Am I yeah. wrong? No, it's, that's true. Yes, I wouldn't even know, really. Is Les Moonves a Jew? I don't know. Is he? Les Moonves? Who? I don't, M-O-O-N-V-E-S. He runs CBS television. I don't know if he is or not. Most Moon, networks are run by someone from the Jewish vest. heritage. Well, Jeff Zucker runs CNN. He used to run he NBC. He, Les is Jewish? Mm-hmm. So, so, I, yeah, yeah, yeah so, they might so all be It's like by. 10 out of 10. Bob Iger, is he a Jew? I-G-E-R. <laughs> I We're gonna do Jew not a Jew. We're gonna <laughs> yeah. play Jew not a Jew, which was was a Saturday Night Live. Yeah, 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 yeah. What the hell was it? Bob Iger's a Jew too. Yeah. Well, uh, so you're me. right. I, so you're right about one thing. So ten out of ten people who run a network are Jewish. Now, <laughs> but they are. It's just a fact. It is. That's, they that's run true. Hollywood. They own Hollywood. That's they true. Own it. The, Wein, the and, Weinstein brothers. Right. Were the Weinstein huge. brothers. Uh, they they run were Hollywood. Jews. Hard to believe. <laughs> so and and they usually rob people. That's all I'm saying. Oh, you mean the TV people do? Yeah. Yeah. If you work for them, you usually get screwed over. That's always been the Hollywood credo, though. Is yeah, it's yeah. Whatever I can do for me, I will do. It's a very good point. It is all about what I can do for me. It's ego. A lot of egos there. Yeah. Nothing to do with being Jewish. It's that they get put in that power. No, it's ego. No, you're absolutely right. Put that power. I, uh, you know, the funniest thing about that is, as far as Christians are concerned, in the record business, as far as Christians are concerned, they love to fire people on Christmas Eve. They do. Like, why is that? Wow. They always know. do that. They do Christmas always. week, the week before Christmas, you fire. get fired. And that's Christians doing it. Yes, I noticed I, I that. Why? I don't know, but they do it a lot. Michael and McRae. your budgets, maybe? I don't know. That they always do it yeah. the week before Christmas. <laughs> Michael McRae is with us. Really? Uh, it's hilarious. We're just we're just basically disparaging everybody, Michael. <laughs> Everybody's getting back on Christmas. Okay. Honest to God, it's just unbelievable. We're just going we're going down the line. Now we're just uh, look. This Roseanne story is big, and there are other stories that are that are big too. Uh, we have to do a, a break in about a minute and a half for just a couple of minutes. If that's all right, Michael. Sure, uh, no problem. But I just wanted to you know we're we're just talking about why people say the things they do after this Roseanne quote. People. Uh, Doug on the show with us was talking about people saying horrible things about about uh, what it was mostly was it Jews? He yeah, they saying horrible things about Jews to somebody they've just met. It makes no sense. Why people wow. do that? I don't know. Who can understand it? Do you? Yeah, understand? I guess you should hide your inner bigot. <laughs> yeah, it's not a bad idea to hide your inner. Does everyone have an inner bigot? I hope not. You know. <laughs> He just starts <laughs> laughing. Thanks, Michael. I really appreciate it. I think everybody so does to some extent. How do you answer that question? You can't answer that question. You cannot. Michael, where'd you grow up? Grew up in Arkansas. In Arkansas. 
What part of Arkansas? Um, Pine Bluff in southeast Arkansas. You know, down here in the river, Arkansas River Delta. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That is the, nice. The soil is rich and the people are poor. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, too. Michael, do you, do you just get up at parties and entertain people? <laughs> just I don't know if I try to, but for some reason, people seem to be entertained by me. So I guess if that counts. Well, you know, you kind of you kind of got that uh, that entertainment vibe, don't you think? Well, you know, when um, I've kind of gotten to the point where I'm really deal- talking to people and dealing with people with the power story. Yep. And so it's one of the things with being with even doing interviews. You know, you can be an author, but you, you can't put a microphone by a book. You know, you get nothing. Yeah. So the the author, the person has to at least be interesting and engaging, and so I try to do that. We will be right back, I promise you, Michael. I cannot wait to hear your story, Race, Power, and Politics, Acorn 8. Michael McRae, our special guest, right up to this Tom Bernard Show. Chris Lindahl's here, ladies and gentlemen. Finally, a package that benefits the homeowner and not the realtor. We're giving away a free home staging package, and the reason we're doing this for KQ listeners is because you just have to win that online beauty pageant. In today's world, over 90% of showings are done on the internet, and so you want to make sure that you stand out. The Chris Lindahl team has stagers on staff, so we're able to give you free staging packages at no cost to you. So how'd you come up with this idea, Chris? Well, what's happening right now is we're watching homeowners lose tens of thousands of dollars by not having the right architectural photography and the right staging. And so they're losing all of these impressions and these showings online. And we want to do something to make a difference. And one of the number one core values at the Chris Lindahl team is to be generous and give back. So we're giving free home staging packages to KQ listeners. So, Chris, how do people get in touch with you? Yeah, to take advantage of the free home staging package, you can call 763-401-SOLD or go to chrislindahl.com. That's Chris with a K. And don't forget to mention, Tom sent you. I remember when my older brother came home from Vietnam and how proud I was to be seen with him in uniform. I'm a huge supporter of our military men and women and always have been. I've also got a soft spot for women and children. Lincoln said in his second inaugural speech that we should take care of the wounded and care for the widows and orphans. That's exactly what the Gold Star Ride Foundation does. This summer, the Gold Star Ride Foundation will travel across the country visiting Gold Star families on an ambitious adventure to help those families and remind them they are not forgotten. I made a commitment to help this organization just like Weston Choppers, Northlight Color, and Print Media Minnesota, and you should too. It's pretty easy to do. Just visit www.goldstarride.org and click the Donate button. Many of my listeners already have, and that's great, but let's not forget, we're all in this together. www.goldstarride.org. Today's a good day to do it. Be proud of our veterans and their families. Make a contribution today. Ooh, I like it. I love this song, as a matter of fact. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. We are back. It's all that matters. Our very special guest, Michael McRae, Race, Power, and Politics, Acorn 8. I just, Michael, I just want to sit back and listen because this is a fascinating subject. Oh, well, thank you for having me on. Oh, it's a great um, pleasure. You, know, you guys were having so much fun over the break. I wasn't sure if we were on the air or not, but I... You know, I think we're going to have a lot of fun with this show. Oh, we're going to have a lot of fun, Michael. I'm, I... I uh, it's a situation where this show has a lot of different people from a lot of different backgrounds, and it makes it an interesting show because, you know, it's, uh, 
you get a lot of different viewpoints, and that, that I think is the only way you get anywhere, is getting different viewpoints from different people, don't you think? Absolutely. That's the only way to learn. Yeah, you're absolutely right. The only book of its kind, Acorn 8, Race, Power, and Politics, Memoirs of an Acorn Whistleblower, is a cautionary tale of corruption and deceit within the Association of Community Organizers for Reform. Now, eight courageous low-income community members refuse to drink the Kool-Aid. I, I'll just leave it there, Michael, because this <laughs> is a great story. Well, well Tom, let, let me start off a little bit by you know kind of explaining who I am. Again, my sure. name is Michael McCray, and um, I grew up in the... Arkansas River Delta. Again, the, the soil was rich, but the people the soil was rich, but the people were poor. And um, from there, you know, my hometown was once rated the worst place to live in America, two years in a row. But, yeah, but fortunately, I got a chance to go away and go to school, and I um, I got to study law at Georgetown, and I got an MBA from, in finance from um, from Howard University. Congratulations! And I tell people that a funny thing happened on my way to Wall Street. My governor ran for president, and I got to work at the White House. Oh, really? So I was able to work for the Clinton administration on the um, Federal Empowerment Zones program um, in the area of economic development. And for me, I just landed my dream job. I, you know, I, I had this kind of poor upbringing, or I grew up in a distressed area, and I was working on the largest federal program to help revitalize um, um, poor areas, poor communities, just like my hometown. Mm-hmm. Now. Unfortunately, I discovered that there was $40 million that was being misspent and essentially being um, sent to a nonprofit organization um, down in Mississippi that didn't have the capacity to, um, to administer the grant. So, you know, I, 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 I try to say that I'm not naive, and I can understand, you know, $40,000, I mean, $4,000 in, you know, in federal programs, yeah, or even yeah. $40,000 there. Sometimes there's, you know, red tape and all the bureaucracy. Now, when you get to around, you know, $400,000, you know, I think, you know, there's problems there. But at $40 million, somebody has to say something. And I did. And that's really all it takes to become a whistleblower. You know, it's not, there's there's a proverbial whistle. You know, there's no real whistle. There's there's no real real bell. All it takes to become a whistleblower is to ask the wrong question at the wrong time. And it can change your life forever. And it absolutely did mine. Um, making a long story short, I had the full whistleblower journey. I lost my job. I lost business interests. I lost my home. I lost my fiance. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and a lot of people don't realize that, you know, when you blow the whistle, you, you never do it by yourself. When you blow the whistle, your entire family blows the whistle with you. And so a lot of times that type of personal, personal and um, family loss you know, a lot of whistleblowers will turn to, they become, well, they become victims of depression, addiction, um, uh, some form of, uh, I, I think that a lot of whistleblowers suffer from a form of PTSD, and 10% of all whistleblowers actually commit suicide. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the rock bottom was the firm foundation on which I rebuilt my life, and I did it two ways. One, my father gave me a copy of Rick Warren's book, A Purpose Driven Life. And it kind of changed my perspective on what was happening to me. And I decided I wanted to live a life of purpose. And two, I went to a, um, a conference of whistleblowers in Washington, D.C. about 10 years ago. Back then it was called um, uh, Washington Whistleblowers Week. And I was able to kind of find a community of people who, were, who, had, who lived the experience that I'd lived. I kind of I found my tribe. And so, again, the reason that whistleblowers have such a hard time is the isolation. And through going to this conference and meeting like-minded people, 
I developed a sense of community, and, and now I host the Whistleblower Summit for Civil and Human Rights, which is the largest and most prestigious whistleblower conference on Capitol Hill every year. It's actually uh, the week of July 30th. And so that's my way of giving back to the community, and because it created a sense of community, and then also I changed my, my, my viewpoints on the, what my true purpose in living was, that's how I was able to come back. Now, as a result of all of that, I'm friends with a lot of whistleblowers. So I've had the pleasure of meeting, you know, I really like the fact that I met Frank Serpico before. I think yeah. a lot of your audience might be too young to remember what that was, but that was really cool for me. And um, I also, there was a group of whistleblowers that came to me in the Association of Community Organizations for Reform Now. That, that's ACORN. That was the community organizing group that President Obama had been a member yeah. of, briefly, he'd been a trainer for right. in Chicago. And actually, they're a very powerful grassroots political organization that most people hadn't heard of before before 2008. And so they came to me after there was a multi-million dollar whistleblower, um, an embezzlement, and they came to me because they knew me as kind of being the whistleblower guy. So I became the national spokesperson for a group of whistleblowers called the Acorn 8. And again, they were the eight board members that fought essentially a 400-member, 400,000-member organization. Um, and they were trying to reform the organization. They're really fighting to save the organization from itself. And this story went ballistic. <laughs> it hit the news. The Acorn story was the um, one of the first stories that broke on Glenn Beck's news show then when he was um, yeah. new to Fox News. Yep. Uh, the Acorn A story was breaking news on CNN. We even did on um, Brian Williams and on NBC Nightly News. So the story was printed in over 400 newspapers and magazines across the country. And I wound up deciding to write about the story from the inside perspective. And so my first book is Race, Power, and Politics, Memoirs of an Acorn Whistleblower. And what it does is it talks about, well, well, let me stop here. I started writing a book about the embezzlement and the civil war that, that happened at Acorn. But as I was writing, I, had, I kept giving the backstory because most people hadn't heard of Acorn. They didn't know what Acorn was. They didn't know what direct action organizations was were. So I started to write to introduce the characters so that people would understand why does somebody get involved in ACORN? Why is somebody attracted to direct action organizations? Why do we need these types of organizations in today's society? And so the backstory wound up becoming the prequel to the book I was trying to write. And so race, power, and politics answers the question. When people ask about, you know, really ask me about what is ACORN, I can answer it in three words. It's race, power, and politics. Yeah. Now, interestingly enough, the second book, Truth, Transparency, and Accountability, is coming out later this fall, and it's the book that I started off writing, and it tells about the civil war that happened within, inside the association after the multi-million dollar embezzlement. Isn't that amazing? You know, one thing, Michael, you you got to stop giving me just yes or no answers when I ask you a question. <laughs> <laughs> open up a little bit. Yeah, open up a little bit, Michael. I think that's wonderful, though. It, it's uh, So your second book comes out this fall, so we got to definitely have you back at that point. I would imagine. Don't you think that would be a good idea? Oh, absolutely. I can't wait to come back. Well, you need to come back, honestly. You sound like a very – why do you think – do you think your family put you in a position to be the man you are? Was it your family that did it? Did you, did you just develop in the kind of person you are? Because you seem to be a very strong and very honest person. How did you get that way? Yeah, I'm a Taurus. I'm very stubborn. <laughs> like, see, there you go. You know, you know, know if you ask some of the government people that I blew the whistle on, I'm a person who's too angry to die. 
But, but I channel all of that. And, that. and that's kind of what I got out of Rick Warren's book, The Whole Purpose of Driven Life is. Yeah. Um, the reason that a lot of whistleblowers essentially shatter is that you'll go through all these tests, and, and, and really it will challenge your fundamental belief systems, your, your, your morals, your ethics, your values. Um, and then the next thing that happens, you know, regardless of what agency you blow the whistle on or what corporation you blow the whistle on, then you're going to get involved in the courts and administrative processes. And a lot of times um, they don't work out so well. You know, if you, statistically speaking, about 2% of whistleblowers actually ever win their cases. Oh, really? And so if 10% commit suicide, you've got a 500, 500% chance, better chance of dying to tell the truth than you actually do of prevailing. And so what happens is you've got to come to a place where, you know, what happens is you lose your, a lot of times you'll lose your identity because you lose your career. You know, so if you've gone to school for umpteen years to become a doctor, and then overnight you no longer have hospital privileges, yeah. you know, you, are you really a doctor? You know, or if you 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 know lived your life and, and passed the bar, but you're basically persona non grata in court. You know, are you really still an attorney? And so, a lot of times, the, these types of, of conflicts, this cognitive dissonance, causes a creates an identity crisis in a lot of whistleblowers. And you know, sometimes these are very fragile people. Now, unfortunately, you can be fragile like a flower, and some people are fragile like a bomb. And so that's part of what my work does, that you try to find a place you know, a, a place to embrace these lost souls and um, to keep them from doing very destructive things to themselves and to other people. They usually get divorced too, right? Yeah, that happens. Divorce that, goes along with whistleblowing usually. That happens a lot. You know, it, it, again, it's one of those things where you really should, uh, uh, a good friend of mine, Tom Devine, over at the uh, Government Accountability Project, he counsels whistleblowers that, you know, before you do this, you need to go home, have dinner, talk to the family. Um, it's definitely not something that you want to do alone by yourself right. because you're not going to be the only person who's impacted. I mean, think about it. What do you do when your parents blow the whistle? Yeah. You know, and yeah. all that private school and all that comfy house becomes because, you know, I, I know whistleblowers who were essentially, their whole family was, was living, had to live in, a, um, in um, homeless shelters, you know, because dad blew the whistle. It is, it, it, it is absolutely amazing. It's, it's great to have people like you, though, out there that you just want the truth to be told. Because, Michael, do you think because of social media, we're in a world now where everybody kind of overstates their anger and everybody, it's kind of like they're waving their right hand a lot so you don't see what their left hand is doing. Do you believe that's right. true? Well, I, I think so. I think what we're dealing with with technology um, you know, I, I, I think a few minutes ago we started to talk about that everybody needs to hide their inner bigot. Um, <laughs> right, exactly. The transparency of social media means you can't keep it in the closet. And so, you know, whether you want to blame it on Ambien or, you know, a glass of Merlot <laughs> or two shots of bourbon. Right. But somehow or another, you know, you can unleash the beast. And what happens now, I mean, a lot of times I guess it may be better to have a small following as opposed to a large following, because you could be like, let's say, Anthony Weiner, yeah. and show the whole world your, your worst moments. Yeah, there's no question about it. Michael McRae, the book is called Race, Power, and Politics, uh, Acorn 8, Memoirs of an Acorn Whistleblower. Michael, you got to come back. Even if you don't have a book out, you got to come back, because we got to talk about the current state of the world once in a while. All right. Thank you so very much. Thank you, sir. 
Michael McRae, ladies and gentlemen, uh, MC, capital C-R-A-Y, uh, race, power, and politics. It's pretty interesting. It's a hell of a story. It was a hell of a story. But it takes a hell of a person to do something like that because you know it's going to ruin your life. I mean, you know before you do it, it's going to ruin your life. That's hard to do. Mr. Lindahl, what are you doing? What's shaking? Doing just, a lot over here. I'm just working like a dog. That's all I ever do. Yeah. <laughs> Same working like, here. Working like a madman. So you, what, well, I shouldn't put it there, but do you have kind of an announcement that you can make? I do, yeah. So this morning um, we started Chris Lindahl Real Estate, the real estate brokerage. So we've now created our own independent brokerage. Um, essentially what we've done is we're the, the innovate we've declared our innovation independence so yeah. i mean we, we've always been leaders in innovation and, and it made sense for us to have that freedom to continue to innovate mm-hmm. and get away from that traditional real estate process and and that's what we've done and it was an exciting day and and uh it's a bit overwhelming with all of the support we've had and and especially from you tom so thank you but yeah it's super exciting i tried to ruin you but it didn't it, work you tried i dodged it <laughs> <laughs> you tried but i dodged it no it's great because i I've known you for how long now? Several months. Yes. When has it been six months yet? Well, it's interesting. When now we have people that are intertwined that we, that eat, know each of us. You know, I know. From... <laughs> don't bring up Ryan Nelson. I, 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 you don't even bring him up. I don't. Wanna... You probably see him flying around the golf course every day. <laughs> if I get out there, yeah. yeah. No, that's great. I'm glad you came by to to make that announcement because uh, you know it's it's a big step. It's a huge step. It is, yeah, and, and you know what? We have a really strong team around us, and we've got a great leadership team. And and uh, this transition, it wasn't even just about me. I mean, I've got no, a lot right, of really smart right. people around, um, and, right. and it's exciting. I mean, it's leadership in real estate has been has been done in such a, a wrong way, and it's, it's gonna be exciting to invest in people and create young leaders so that they can bring back that leadership to their communities, their families, and to their clients, and and, and make an impact in them. Are we gonna cut a new commercial? I think we have to. Are we doing it, <laughs> are we doing it today? <laughs> we, we can. I mean, we can shoot well, I mean, what, If you want to do it. Let's do it. Because yeah. you probably want to announce and we can run it. Andy, you can, we can do it while the show ends in 15 seconds, so we could do it then. That works for me. You can stick around? I'll stick around. All Where's right. my cupcake? What cupcake? I didn't get my cupcake for cupcake? one year anniversary on the show. Oh, I'm supposed what? to get a cupcake today. There was, where is your cupcake? That's You're what right. I said. Where the hell is my cupcake? All right, well, I'll check. I'll, I'm going to blame it on Catherine because she's not here. Okay. I'll take right. that. Thanks for listening. Tom Bernard Show.